0: I'm Dr. Trevor Cates. Welcome to the Spot Doctor podcast. On today's podcast, we're talking about how to achieve gut balance and how this impacts your skin. My guest is Dr. Mahmoud Ghanoum, and he is the scientist that named the mycobiome. The mycobiome is the fungal community in the body. Well, why is this important? Well, stay tuned. I'm going to explain that as well. The Washington Post actually called him the scientist who is now known as the leading microbiome researcher in the world. He has published over 450 peer-reviewed papers. His work has been cited over 21,000 times in the literature. He has been actively funded by the the NIH the National Institutes for Health, continuously since 1991 for his work on the fungal and bacterial communities in our body, with over 25 million in NIH funding to date. Dr. Kanum lectures around the world on the microbiome, and he is the founder of the antifungal clinical testing company, next trillion sciences and has been involved in the development of 95 percent of antifungals that have come to market since the 1990s and i actually asked him about antifungals at the end of this interview on today's podcast we discuss the difference between the microbiome and the mycobiome and how these play a role in your health very important role in your gut brain and skin health Dr. Ganum shares best foods and lifestyle habits that help support the microbiome and microbiome for optimal health and longevity. He's got a book that's now out about this as well, and he, he talks about, about this new book, and he's just a wealth of knowledge, so I hope you enjoy this interview. Mahmood, it's so great to have you on the Spot Doctor podcast. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure to be with you.
0: I'm so excited to have you on because you have been doing a lot of interesting research on something that I find completely fascinating and I, I myself have looked into a lot. And that is having to do with the microbiome and the microbiome. And you have a, you've also done a paper, published a paper on the gut skin brain connection. And so let's start with that. Let's start about that connection because I think for so many years, people thought of the skin as just being this superficial thing that's not really connected to the gut yeah. and you know, the brain. Like, how is this all connected? So, <laughs> um, so tell everybody how this comes together.
1: Sure. You know, a lot of the time, people think of the gut-brain access. But in fact, there is gut-skin-brain access. We published a paper, as you mentioned, Uh, in frontiers uh, of microbiology where we showed that if you have an imbalance in the microbiome, in the gut, you, with respect to the microorganisms, what happens, it could affect your skin, also because of the communication between the brain, the gut, also reflects in the skin. So really, in a way, we have communication between gut skin, and brain, and there are evidence to show that people who, for example, there was a good study where people had acne, and they took a, pro, a pre, uh, probiotic, in fact, not prebiotic, probiotic, uh, Bifidobacterium previ, and what they found that when they rebalanced their gut microbiome, the acne really got reduced. Another very interesting study was you know people when they have UV exposure of the skin, how we lose some elasticity and this sort of thing. And a study was done where they showed that if you take probiotic to ensure that your gut microbiome balanced, your skin elasticity is maintained even when you have some UV exposure. You know, so that, that's really very interesting. You know, the other thing from the scientific point of view, I, I am, as you know, professor at Case Western Reserve University, and what we have we have a grant to look at psoriasis and we looked at the skin psoriasis and what we found that we compared affected versus unaffected areas like places where you have the plaque and the lesions versus those that are not and we found that there is imbalance in both the bacterial and fungal communities in the skin in these psoriatic patients so definitely there is a clear link between our gut, skin, as well as our brain.
0: Yeah, it's amazing the the information that's coming out about the gut microbiome and the skin microbiome. And can you explain to everyone what the difference is between the microbiome and the microbiome? and that sure. for some people that sounds <laughs> like the exact same thing, but it is very, it, well, not very different, but it is different.
1: It's diff- different, you know, I, I completely understand why people sometimes think of the microbiome without thinking about the community except bacteria. Everybody used to talk about bacteria as being the main member of the microbiome, and they really used the term microbiome and bacterium in the same way. Okay, But research is showing that in addition to the bacterial community that live, let's say in the gut, since we are talking a lot about the gut or the skin for that matter, it's not only bacteria, we have bacteria, we have viruses, we have fungus as well. And the difference between them, we call it the mycobiome because mycology is the study of fungus. So I came out with this, uh, coined this term of mycobiome to describe the fungal community. Yeah. And yeah, to contrast that with the is My
0: M Y. M Y. Yes. So that helps. Um yes. the the spelling is different. Yes. Um so what what led you to be so interested in the microbiome?
1: Well, you know, for years I I direct the Center for Medical Mycology and I've been studying fungus for over 40 years, you know. And it took me back to when I first went to England to do my uh, doctorate where I was given a paper by my mentor you know our advisor they come and tell you here what you are going to do your doctorate on so i looked at it and what it was it was about a rabbit which was treated with an antibiotic and lo and behold the rabbit became more susceptible to fungal infections especially candida so that taught me you know that in our body we have both communities living together and if one becomes imbalanced Let's say we use antibiotic, we kill all the bacteria. The fungus take the opportunity and they start to grow and causing trouble. So that was in 19, believe it or not, 74 up to 78. That's what I spent my life studying. And then let, let's come fast forward to around uh, early uh, 2000, 2008. I used to go to all these meetings and people talking about microbiome, meaning really bacteria. And then I tried to. Bring the attention that we really need to look at these co- two communities because they work together in good and in bad. They could be helpful, but at the same time, when they are imbalanced or what we call dysbiosis, they will cause harm to us. That's really what led me to uh, go into the study of not only the bacteria, but the fungi, of course, which is my specialty. In 2010, and I published the first paper on the microbiome.
0: Right, right. Uh, That's so great. And you know, I think we are shifting away from this idea that microorganisms are bad. Right. That we understand (laughs) now. There's so much research that we need balance. That there are good ones, there are bad ones, there are ones that just are. They just exist. The commensal ones that need to be in the right balance, and that there is this synergy that we need. And so how does the microbiome play a role in our health?
1: This is a very, very good question, and I really agree with you. We really need the balance. Now, people, when they talk about candida, as you said, they always think, oh, it's bad news, this candida. It could cause candidiasis. It could cause, you know, various uh, diseases. In fact, 50% of the people, you know, of the population have candida as a colonizer, which means it's at low level. When it is present at all, at low level, it can help us. You know, it can break down the food, but ferment the food, which gives food to the beneficial bacteria, and that will really help our immune system and make us well. So that's if we have it at low level. The problem starts when we encourage the growth of this fungus, and it overgrows by getting rid of the beneficial organism then we are going to start to have digestive issues and other issues. So two two sides of the story they could be good when they are in balance but when they go out of whack then it becomes bad.
0: So what are some of the symptoms that people should look for that could indicate that there is an imbalance?
1: You know simply the constipation, bloating, you may have sometimes blood in the the stool. Uh, If you have some inflammation, you feel sometimes you have some pain, for example. And there are studies to show that like, for example, Crohn's disease patients with their symptoms, inflammatory symptoms, there is imbalance. So if you have any bad feeling, any of these uh, symptoms, which are what, uh, as we said, we call them, inflammatory symptoms then you know there is something not right there and you need to try to adjust it
0: right right so um, and this does play a role in the skin because we already talked about the gut skin connection. So if some if if the digestive system is off, if the uh, the microbiome of the gut is off, then that could impact the skin as well. And this includes the microbiome, the the fungal, yeah,
1: hundred uh, percent. It Really, we actually completed a study, as I mentioned, in psoriasis, and we looked not only at the skin uh, microbiota, but also we looked at the gut microbiota to see whether there is relation. And we showed that. In cases of disease, you have imbalance in both bacteria and fungus. So it's definitely the right way to look at it. Our gut could affect not only our digestive symptoms, but also our skin, sometimes also some uh, sort of autism, Alzheimer, all of these diseases which are related to our brain, you know, degenerative diseases also are affected. So it's really fantastic what's happening now with our understanding of the microbiome, because as you said, when you look at it, it's not all bad, there is bad, but there is good. And we need to learn how we can keep our gut balanced because that's gonna help us overall. Right. yeah, Yeah. So
0: let's talk about that. What, how, how does food play a role? The foods that we eat, how do they play a role in the microbiome?
1: Well, As you know, our body requires carbohydrates, requires proteins, requires as well as fat. For, you know, our cells are made of this. So in a way, you need to select the type of food, like if we decide we want to go after carbohydrates, we need to select resistant starch because resistant starch has these fibers which can be broken down by the microorganism in our gut, which are beneficial organism, And by doing this, they are going to help our immune system and our wellness. However, if you eat something, let's say red meat, okay, with especially high-fat red meat, what happens, you are feeding the bacteria that are pro-inflammatory, which means they increase our inflammation. Mm -hmm. So by selecting which food we eat, you are able to go some way to balancing the gut, you know. And I say some way because in addition to diet, we really need to select some good lifestyle, which we may be able to talk about because that also influence our, our gut. Now, with respect to the fungus, candida, for example, how can we make sure it stays a colonizer and it's helping us instead of working against us? Number one is that candida loved sugar. These refined sugars are the best friend <laughs> for candida. So we need to limit those low carb, and let's choose the right carb, like as we said, resistant starch, for example. Now, in addition, we need to have some lean proteins, good proteins from plant, from fish. This will really help us a lot, as well as some poultry as well, chicken and the sort of thing are beneficial. So by selecting the right type of food, it's like a garden. You are feeding your garden, and you are going to grow the nice, beautiful roses rather than all the weeds.
0: Right. So with the, with the, uh, the carbohydrates that are beneficial, would those be more of like the high-fiber carbohydrates? Yes. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and, and so when you look at things like um, carbohydrates, high-fiber carbohydrates, are we looking you know, at legumes? And what are some of the, the best ones sure. for us to eat?
1: legumes is one of them there is also you have resistant starch you find it in bananas unripened bananas in barley for example it it is there you know the other good fibers believe it or not in pumpkins pumpkins they have real. they are rich in fibers so these are good to feed our good uh, microorganisms or good microbiome in our gut which again is going to help us to
0: balance well, that's great. That's great to hear about pumpkin. And so it seems to be really popular right now. So not just pumpkin spice, but actual pumpkin.
1: Yes, yeah. Right. I, I was looking at pumpkin recently because, you know, we are near Thanksgiving uh, and, and, uh, and we, I looked at, it has good fibers. It has a lot of minerals as well as vitamins. So it's really good, good stuff. It's not just to have a decoration in the front of our houses. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Right, right. Absolutely. Um, okay. And so when we look at the microbiome and, um, and, and the impact it plays, it plays a role in our digestion, our immune system, our mood, all of that, as well as our weight too, right? Oh, yeah.
1: Definitely. I would wait. You know, there was a study done in Spain of all places, and they looked at people who are obese, compared them to people who are lean, and they found that there's differences between them. People who are obese, they tended to have a high level of escomycota. This is one of the phylum of fungi. Whereas people who are lean, they have more zygomycota. You know, So there are different, it's sort of different uh, phylum, different uh, members of uh, the fungi. And these, they tend to be different in obese versus those who are lean and there was a study in the same study actually where they looked at people who lost weight they became lean they really had an increase in one of the genus uh, uh, in one of the genera of the fungi like mucus so definitely we have a change uh, and to be uh, clear, it's not only change in the fungi, but also we see in obese patients, they tend to have, for example, high firmacutes, which is a bacterial phylum. So definitely there is a relation, as you said, between the gut uh, uh, microbiome and obesity and weight control.
0: And do you you think that, and you know, I've been reading that research as well, and um, do you think that that's due to people's diet? Do you think it's a genetic factor or maybe a combination of the two?
1: I really think a lot of the time our diet plays a really central role in controlling the, uh, what you call the, the, our weight, okay? In fact, in our diet, which is in the book, uh, Total Gut Balance, which is going to come, and you mentioned, we did a study where we put people in this diet and at the end of it they lost weight between two to ten pounds in four weeks study now this is one factor the other factor as we mentioned lifestyle lifestyle is very very important because you know for example it's good to exercise because there are studies to show that if you exercise you are going to have better balance of your microbiome Okay, so. The other thing, which is very, very critical, is we need to take care of our stress. And and you know very, much, very well, we are all so stressed out. We work hard, we take, and ladies, when they go and take care of, they work hard, they take care of the kids, they have to do all of this. I tell you, I once, uh, uh, maybe I'm going aside a little bit, I was uh, once, uh, responsible to take care of my kids. And I told my wife, oh my God, this is really hard. (laughs) So we need to lessen the stress uh, on us because if we have stress because of the gut-brain connection, we are going to have bad imbalance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, I know your son, so I think that's probably just what the stress was about. <laughs> <laughs> know. I'm kidding. I have to give him a hard time a little bit. But, I know. I know. But yeah, no, it's <laughs> true. We're, we're all stressed. Um, and, and certainly this time of the year, too, we've gone through the holidays and that is an additional stress on the body. And that can really uh so now is the time to do kind of a reset right and exactly and get back on track and so what are some of the things that you recommend as far as lifestyle changes in addition to diet what are some sure. of the things that you think are particularly important
1: i mean one of the first one is as, as i mentioned is exercise we need to exercise you don't have to be uh, really kill yourself you know people sometimes they go from one you know side of the pendulum to another no moderation take maybe 30 minutes, three times a week. If you don't even want to run, just go out and walk. This is really very important. So exercise is very important. Number two is we need to have, to reduce stress, some meditation. I started to do yoga about one and a half years ago, because, you know, I loved it. I never done before uh, yoga, but now I go and the one and a half hour you are in the yoga class, you are just thinking about the move, you are trying to meditate, you are not thinking of work and this sort of thing. And I find it to be very, very relaxing. And my wife laugh, laughs at me because I'm the only male <laughs> in there, all the women. So I, I gave a talk the other day, I said uh, at the big, big meeting, I say, I am talking to the male audience, please take up yoga, it's very important. <laughs> so, these are the, the other thing which is very important sleep. You know, you need to try to have, you know, seven to eight hours of sleep because this is also a good time to rejuvenate, as you know better than me. You know, so all in all, if we try to take these moderate activities, it's gonna have with our diet, you are gonna have a really good gut balance and therefore better GI symptoms or gut, uh, gastrointestinal symptoms that are gonna be better. You you can control your weight and also you'll be happier all around.
0: And it's so amazing that that this concept of sleep and movement and meditation, yoga that this plays a role in our microbiome and the microbiome. Um, but it's but it's true and the, and yeah. there's I mean there's a lot of good evidence to support it sure. too. I
1: tell I tell you something. An uh, evidence we had we had a lady. That take our test with biome test, where to uh, got report to look at the profile of the, your microbiome, basically bacteria and fungi. And what we found that her profile was greatly imbalanced. So the other thing we do is we look at questionnaire to see what is she uh, d- doing. With respect to the diet, she eats great food, food that supports the balance of the guy, of, the, of the gut. But, when we look deeply into does she have stress and she was extremely severely stressed so we figured that out this is really what's leading uh, to her imbalance and we advised her you know our nutritionist her to try to you know relax do meditation as we mentioned you know so definitely there is evidence that this is what what happens
0: yeah, yeah, and, and it's and and thank you for for looking at this and and writing your book on this important information. Um, one of the things that you talk about is um, is the the gut bio fi, biofilms. The, yes. And um, I for people who aren't familiar with this, can you explain what that is and how how it builds up and what we can do about it?
1: Sure. The best way to explain what is a biofilm is when we look on our teeth. The plaque in our teeth is a biofilm. So basically, bacteria sticks to our teeth and gum, and then they form what you call this biofilm. So, what it is, organisms or microorganisms, they come together and they bind together, they adhere together, and they start producing these sugars or polysaccharides to cover them. It's like as if they are undercover, like you have jello, and inside the jello you have a little m or raisins. The raisins are the organisms and the jello is the matrix which covers them and protects them. So we know about the mouth, but until our publication in 2016, we did not know that there is really biofilm in the gut, especially formed by the pathogenic organism or organisms, microorganisms that can cause disease. So what we found that Candida, which is one of the fungus, with E. coli and Sriracha marcescens, two bacteria, they come together, they adhere, they start producing this protective layer, and guess what? They are on our gut lining, and they start to cause damage to that. And that's where it becomes a problem where inflammation increase and this sort of thing. So that's why we really need to have a way to try to eliminate this biofilm, or what we call, to make it simpler, digestive plaque. It's like the the plaque in our teeth, but instead it's in our
0: gut. Right, and so so they're both bacteria and fungi that are involved in this biofilm, right? That, yeah. So it's really like, it's a combination approach that we need for um, uh, addressing these, right? So a lot of times people focus on the bacteria but not, on, not on on, the yeah, on the phone. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and that's why we really wanted in the diet to put some elements like, for example, apple cider vinegar is fantastic. Have been shown to get eliminate the biofilm. Also, you have garlic is a fantastic food. I know sometimes because of the smell, but it doesn't matter. Just have it, wash your teeth. It's a great uh, for our uh, uh, health. You know. Coconut oil is another uh, factor that have been shown to work against biofilm. So we recommend these in the diet. In addition, I published a paper in April of this year, 2019, where uh, we looked at the uh, these organisms uh, coming together. How can we break this biofilm? And that paper, which was published uh, in 2019 showed that we select a probiotic we selected that has both bacteria and fungal probiotic strains like saccharomyces for example saccharomyces is a good fungus so uh, again which stresses the point not all fungus is bad fungi is really good sometimes but in this case we found that saccharomyces lactobacillus as well as uh, uh, bifidobacterium they work together, and they are able to break these pathogenic biofilms. And we showed that uh, really both in vitro as well as in vivo. So this is really a great way to eat the right uh, to get rid of this biofilm. Eat the right food, which has anti-biofilm uh, activity, and also enzymes, which is also part of the probiotic, which we have amylase, which is also shown to break these biofilms. So a good combination
0: so can i ask you when it comes to i know some um some doctors will treat um with antifungals the antifungal medications um and i know with antibiotic antibiotics we've seen that overuse of antibiotics as medications has created dysbiosis imbalances you're killing off not only the harmful bacteria but you're killing off the good bacteria too so it's created some issues and of course we know antibiotics still can be um helpful when indicated but we need to be mindful of when we when we prescribe them what about anti uh antifungal medications uh, are there concerns about those as well
1: you know usually in general a lot of medications now the studies are starting to show that they affect our they kill certain colonizers. so so in the case of fungi, using an anti-fungal that is a broad spectrum, uh, it may kill the beneficial organisms such as Saccharomyces cerevisiae. That's why I think if you take an antifungal agent, it's a good idea to try to take a probiotic to try to rebuild the beneficial uh, fungi and bacteria in our gut. So, yes.
0: Right. So, and that might include Saccharomyces boulardii, um, something... Sure. Something along those lines, along with uh, probiotic. Okay. Yes. Yes. Great. So now I know with your diet, there are foods that you you recommend to help improve the microbiome. That um, that maybe you know some people haven't really that maybe have gotten a little bit of a bad rap. So what are some of those foods?
1: Yeah, I mean, some of it is like uh, as you say with carbohydrates, for example. Mm -hmm. People say, oh, you should stop all carbohydrates, which is not true. I mean, low sugar is good, but it does not mean that you have low carbohydrate because, you know, to make it simple, we have different types of carbohydrates. Some of the carbohydrates, simple sugar, you know, glucose, when we eat it, it goes into our intestine and our body is able to break it down and then it give us some energy, but also could, could change into fats. Now, instead of having these, especially taking too much carbohydrate in one setting, because your body cannot get rid of it and it's gonna go and change into fat. Try to lower the amount of these, but take carbohydrates such as resistant starch, which we mentioned before, which will go through our intestine. They are not broken down by us, but when they reach to the colon where all these good bacteria is there, they start to break it down. They are able to break it down. That's why they call it resistant starch. Okay. But when they break it down, they, they produce all these small molecules or compounds, small compounds that are, like, uh, that are beneficial, such as short-chain fatty acids. These are very good because they support our immune system. So it's a, a matter of selecting the right food, which is not, not eliminating all type of food. You cannot eat this. You cannot eat that. Oh, no, just be selective, and that would be good.
0: right. And you know, I've had some people tell me that when they eat carbohydrates or when they eat beans, for example, that they they just don't agree with them they they can't eat them um and so what do you what do you think about talking to people about transition? Because for some people, their dysbiosis it, it takes a while to rebalance so initially eating more of these carbohydrates you know high fiber foods might not feel that great as they're rebalancing as we're rebalancing and getting a healthy gut microbiome right
1: you are absolutely right that's why when you start with any diet in that uh, to be fair you really need to to take a time to transition and we for example in our in the book we give people one week plan and then so that they can get used to their food. And then after that, they can uh, adopt the, the diet for life. And, and the nice thing is the diet is flexible, they can change, and the this is not too restrictive. And I really agree with you, we need to give them this period. In fact, in, we did a clinical trial where we had people uh, take a stool sample at baseline, before they started the, the diet so that we can look at the microbiome both bacteria and fungi and then we took another sample after 2 weeks and then a sample at the very end but at the same time and we looked at this profile but at the same time we captured the gastrointestinal issues which you are um, referring to for example bloating okay people go directly on fiber they feel really bloated they don't like it you know or or they produce gas okay so that's why we we noticed in the study, like the first week, people don't feel, you know, some members, they said, you know, we need some time. It's not perfect. But then you will start seeing this slide changes by two weeks. And then by three and four weeks, they really reported great improvement. So it's very, very important what you suggested is you need to really ease into something in you and not just jump like, people tend to to you know they are keen they want to get better so they go all in no try to transition slowly and you'll be fine
0: it's it's so true i've been seeing patients for almost 20 years now and there's definitely it's it's so variable how people react to foods and that we need to be patient but but we do know the research continues to support things like these you know the high fiber um, foods and beans and legumes and, 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 uh, and vegetables and how sure. beneficial they are to our health. Yeah. It, it sometimes it just takes somewhat a while to adjust depending and everybody's different. So um, yeah, it takes a little while to, to uh, accommodate. And so is there anything that you suggest during that transition time to help people?
1: I, I will start by, don't change completely your diet. Let's start to introduce a little bit of fiber, let's say. Let's start if you are eating, a lot of people eating Westernized diet, a lot of meat, uh, invariably, maybe every night or, or at least four times, uh, four nights a week or, uh, or four days a week. But try to supplement it, take a little bit better food. At the same time, continue doing that and slowly, slowly, what you are going think about it. What we are gonna do is again, we start to feed the good organisms in our gut, which is gonna help us. So transition, I would see, I would see say is the best way really to, to ease on. Don't like like for example, if you haven't had uh, fruits and vegetables. I come from the Mediterranean, I love fruits and vegetables because it's all over the place. But if you haven't had this for a long time and then suddenly you start to take it in, it's gonna cause some loose maybe uh, stool and this sort of thing. So moderation, slowly, slowly go in, start to adjust, and that's why you have the first one or two weeks to uh, ease into the diet and that will will help you. And the good thing is you'll you'll be able to change the fungus in your gut very fast. Like there is a study to show that fungi can change in a short-term diet, whereas the bacteria, it takes longer, Mm long-term diet. So this, uh, by easing in, I think it's gonna help you.
0: Excellent, all right. Well, it's been so great having you on the podcast. Thank you for all of your information. Will you tell everybody where they can find your book and learn more about you?
1: Yeah, the book is is called Total Gut Balance. You can find it on uh, Amazon, uh, Amazon, as well as Barnes and Noble. There is also totalgutbook.com. And I would like to have people to go to Dr. Microbiome, drmicrobiome.com, because I started a site where people can learn a lot about different aspects, how to balance their gut, what type of food to have, what type of recipes. I think this will help them a lot
0: all right fantastic well thanks again for coming on and and good luck with the new book
1: thank you very much it's a great pleasure
0: i hope you enjoyed this interview today with dr ganim to learn more about him you can go to thespadoctor.com Go to the podcast page with his interview, and you'll find all the information and links there, including how you can get a copy of his book. And speaking of which, if you are on the Spot Doctor email list, if you receive our emails, we're going to look, check your email inbox because we're going to be giving an opportunity for you to have a possibility of winning a copy, uh, a free copy of his book. So if you aren't on my email list, now's a great time to set up. You can go to thespotdoctor.com. To make sure that you sign up for our email, our emails that we send out. Or you can also take the skin quiz and you can go to theskinquiz.com, take the online free skin quiz and find out what messages your skin's trying to tell you about your health and what you can do about it and then you'll also start receiving our emails. We have special offers that we send only to our email recipients and so make sure you're on our email list at thespadoctor.com and also I invite you to join us on social media. It's a great way to engage with us and learn. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and YouTube. And I'll see you next time on the Spot Doctor Podcast.